Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. You ever have conversations that just absolutely bless you? I mean, you come off the phone or walk away from the person feeling like, woof, I feel like I got a refill with premium gas. I mean, like, besides the conversations we be having because, you know, what other conversations could there possibly be? But, you know, just being a little bit more mature, like there are other people that you could possibly be talking to that, you know, could one way or another inspire you. Well, anywho, let me get off my petty betty. Uh, I just had that experience. I just got off the phone with my coworker, and I promise you my whole perspective is just like, okay, God, let me go ahead and put this uh, tar underneath my eyes, get me a football helmet, and Lego. I, I think I have my instructions. I think I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm clear now. She was saying to me how she's just gotten to the point that she no longer wants to gossip and complain and do all the things that seem to be very you know normal in this particular job setting and she's like I don't I don't want to do this anymore you know I want to speak those things that I don't see I want to encourage myself I don't I don't want to be a trash can I don't want people dumping on me you know I'm going to set the atmosphere and the mood that I want to see and I'm going to operate in excellence and you know I just needed to make sure that my iron is what we call each other that my iron was on one accord with me because I'm getting ready to just change this whole thing I expect excellence this place has possibilities and she was just like whoa when I say I was like you're running too fast on this cardio machine I'm trying to catch up like that's how I felt in my spirit and so she was like you know I prayed for this job and I refused to be somewhere and complain, and at a prior time, I prayed for this. Like, I prayed to God, open up this door, do this, that, and the third. And then I get here, and then later on, when the novelty wears off, I start complaining with other people, not knowing that God planted me here. This is my purpose, and at one point, this was my prayer. I was like, "Mm, you know. Okay, I see what you're doing. But I had to go ahead and walk my truth and expose my truth too. I said, and while I hear you, same conversation with a coworker, while I hear you, that's not necessarily mm, my truth. My truth is not that I prayed for this job. Let me, let me go ahead and be honest with you. I had my expectations set up and my hopes were up for other employment opportunities. It just so happened that this was... In my quiet time, yes, I did pray to God and say, you know, eventually I would like to go ahead and venture off into this career path. And I just got to the point that I seen that it was kind of hard to get certain jobs in the HR, you know, management, all that kind of that career path or that road rather. And I just said, you know, I'm going to get it any means necessary, even if I have to intern. Like, I'll do it for free just to make sure that I have it on my resume some type of way because I know that I know that I know that this would be a good fit for my wiring, for my calling, and where I would eventually like to land my career path. And so what happened was, I and I don't know if I ever really told you the background of this, so I'm going to give it to you real quick. I had went ahead and interviewed for this position at the, probably the inception of when COVID was like, uh, yeah come and knock at your door like that's when I interviewed for that position so I think that 
other positions that I was either close to getting. Like I was looking up, you know how on some job tracking applications on the um, consumer side, you could see like, okay, you're under consideration or, you know, they, they would just turn the... I don't, some of them is different. One of them said under consideration. The other said pre-hire. So, but it pretty much updates you on, okay, so we're here with you. Like we're interested and you did good on your, in, in your interview and we want to move forward with you. So I was seeing that for at least four of the five jobs that I wanted because I was applying like wildfire, not even knowing that COVID was around the corner. What happened was that I just, because I wasn't hearing from the jobs as fast, you know, I didn't stop casting my net. I'm just like, okay, well, whatever comes back, I know it's of God and I'm going to go ahead and keep casting my net. So I knew that I had at least two strong offers on the table. One was like, yo, you're going to hear from somebody within two weeks. The other was like, I did my second interview like a week prior to getting another phone call. What happened was I applied for another position at the same job that I'm currently at. And so they called me for the, they were doing Zoom interviews at that point because COVID was just like, "Mm -mm, have a nice day. And when I saw the name of the person who sent me the invite, I was like, I know this name. And so I went back and I'm like, oh, that's the lady for the job that I wanted or the position that I wanted. So when she called me to confirm, hey, are we still on for this time and this time? I asked about the other, the HR position that I wanted because the position she was calling me for would have extended my career path in social work, and I didn't want that. And so I was like, hey, you know, I kind of inquired about the HR position. She said, you know, I was going to offer it to you, but I thought that you would be more interested in this, and I guess because of experience or what have you, but she had her own idea as to why she thought I would be more interested. So I told her, no, I actually want the HR position. But she was pushing me toward it, like, you sure? I still think you should interview, kind of see that. I was like, no, I don't need time to think about it. So we went back and forth for a little bit. I asked her, I said, can you give me about 10 minutes? Because I wanted to check my heart like, God, am, am I not picking up on the cue to stay in social work? But my heart's desire is I want this path. And so wind up calling her back, didn't even go for the interview she was a, she was calling me for in addition to because I told her the one that I went ahead and had the in-person interview for the HR position that's what I want so boom I was like yay excited I get as I'm going through the motion of going through the pre-screenings and you know the the urine drug test that you need to take for pre-employment and I'm doing all that I was already starting to see implications of this woman is incompetent Something about the way that she operates and, you know, remember what I told you about the drug test where she gave me the wrong requisition and then when I got the new one, then she called me back and was like, oh, I forgot to check a box and then there was a mix-up on what days I would start and I was just like, what is going So I had all this, to me, pre-trailer, preview of what I would be walking into. I was so alarmed that I called my now coworker, but she was a stranger at that point, and asked her, is this what I... It, the the overview that I'm getting from this woman, is this what I'm walking into? She was like, mm, can I call you after work hours? And she pretty much tried to, she was honest, which is what I gravitated to. Because, um, again, talk to me now about that. I would have never asked no stranger and no job that I don't know nobody. Hey, um, <laughs> let me ask you something about your supervisor. Like, I wouldn't have done that. But I, that's how I felt led at that point. It was either frustration or it was God. I don't want to mistitle it. So I'm going to just say I just felt led. Okay. Um, so we had that talk. And so now fast forward 
to the conversation that I had with that very same coworker today, I said, this was not my prayer. <laughs> this was not a, oh, God, please. Just, I was expecting for another opportunity to happen. And what was happening was by day two in this position, I knew, oh, mm-mm. Because remember I told you the HR manager and I had to have a sit down because I had to explain to her, never, ever, ever will you talk to me like that again? If I'm asking you a question and just because you don't like it, you don't get to tell me walk away. Yeah, like her verbiage was literally walk away. And I had to turn around. I said, excuse me? We're not going to talk about that because I'm going to stabilize my pressure through this entire conversation. Because every time I think about that, it makes me a little bit of Peter in the spirit. But I'm going to digress. Uh, so I didn't necessarily pray for this. What I knew was by date, I knew there were some issues prior, but I definitely knew by day two I didn't want to do this. I was like, oh, mm-mm. But for some reason, I didn't have that walkout Wilma spirit on me. It wasn't like, listen, <laughs> I'll go back to what I was doing two days ago, ma'am. You don't get to talk to me crazy. For some reason, I did feel this like, mm, stick through it. Kind of stay still a little bit, and let's try to figure something else out. So what I was doing was going on my lunch break, walking outside, calling the other prospects like, hey, <laughs> remember me? you still want to hire me like that's what I felt like in my spirit and they were like oh because of COVID we've gone a different direction we've um we're, we're on a hiring freeze there was it's literally like I felt like I looked down the hallway of all these opportunities and just heard this collective dun, 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 dun. like every door was closing and I'm like yes sir I don't even want to do this but I said okay God it is clear to me that um, no other opportunity is opening. But I still didn't take that as like, oh, this is my gift. This is my. It was like, I know what I'll do. I'll keep applying day and night. I'll make a second part-time job just dedicated to applying to everything I could ever find in my life. Okay, great. I'm going to keep casting my net. I'm getting out of here. I got to get out of here. But that didn't happen. So fast forward to where we are today. I gave my coworker in that conversation all of that right and a little nice little capsule couldn't keep it too long she's at work and today's my day off because I know you're like why are you not at work mind your business uh so she said but yeah you know what it sounds like <clears throat> it sounds like this is your waiting room and she said that after I told her that yesterday was probably one of my better days in that uh, I was uncomfortable, but it was a lighter day. And I was uncomfortable because the prior conversation that we had, I told you, God told me, you're dressing wrong to this facility. You know, you are coming in bubbly, you're coming in good morning, and you're coming in friendly, and you're coming in pure-hearted with good intentions, but lack any maliciousness in your heart. You're coming in, and you're just like, you're exposed, you're vulnerable, you're, you're receptive to the environment around you, and that is not the outfit I want you to wear there. That's why you're feeling every element of what is going on around you, because you were supposed to be in a raincoat, you were supposed to be in a winter coat, you were supposed to at least, bare minimum, have an umbrella, and now because you are not well accessorized to the environment that you see needs guarding to you are being exposed to the elements and so I told my coworker, I feel like I was wearing the biggest pair of corduroids ever and because that's my first time really wearing that now I know next time when I come back in I need a belt and I'm going to keep accessorizing it until I find the fit that works best for my wiring and best for my personality, but with that covering. 
And when she said waiting room, I was like, you know what? You're right. She said, yeah, spiritually, this is just your waiting room. I said, yep. And I know that if God is making me bench press something that seems too heavy for me now, it's because I'm going to need that muscle later. And I don't want to arrive to that particular Goliath, to that particular opportunity, to that particular stage, and then realize, oh, my gosh, in the spirit, I skipped leg day. So I can't walk up these steps to, to my promotion. I can't lift the the requirements and things that is required of me in this particular stage I don't want to be ill prepared because I looked at the position that I was at prior and said ill you see what I'm saying and so immediately I was like man it's amazing how two people can be in the same situation and have a different kind of mindset because on her side she prayed for this on my side it was a prayer but it was an eventually and I guess in a way you can say I prayed, but I was praying for, okay, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to do the things that needs to be done to make sure that I fasted and package me well enough so that when I do get to this opportunity, like I'm in there. I guess God was like, well, I'll wait eventually. We can do it now. And I was like, oh, in the middle of COVID? Like, yeah, you're going to wear a mask and you'll be okay. I'm like, oh, okay, great. So it immediately made me start thinking about like, okay, I'm I'm wearing the wrong things and kind of like muddling those things in my head. And the Holy Spirit just dropped on me so effortlessly. He was like, choose your wilderness. I was like, choose your wilderness. He was like, yeah, you have a choice on how you come out of wilderness. You have a choice on what you may not have a choice on what your wilderness looks like, but you do have a choice on what you do while you're in there. And so off back, I was like, okay, let me think about that. So the times that I've heard about wilderness, I heard, you know, Moses, when he ran from the palace after they realized that he killed, you know, one of the Hebrews or whatever. And he was like, scram, I'm out of here. He went in the wilderness and he built the whole family, right? It, it was, he had kids, he had wives, like he had everything he didn't have in the palace. He had it there in the wilderness. I was like, okay, so in his wilderness, he grew. <laughs> like, yeah, he did. It was, you know, unfamiliar ground, uh, unfamiliar locations. He wasn't used to it. He was once in a palace, like he was royalty, low key, and he ran to unfamiliar, uh, unfamiliar place. It probably was uncomfortable for a little bit. Like, yo, the mosquitoes out here are insanium. But you know what? In his wilderness, he grew. I was like, okay. He was like Jesus. I was like, mm, you can't. He was like, well, I, I understand. There's no comparison, but I want you to go ahead and just bring in Jesus there too, because when I think of wilderness, I do think of Jesus when he was, you know, tested by the enemy for the forty days and the forty nights. He's like, I need you to go ahead and just, real quick, like think about him. Jesus was tested, right? But he knew the purpose of his wilderness. He knew I have to go before I start my ministry. I have to go through this, and in a sense, the same thing like Moses. Before God can use him for his particular ministry, his particular calling, he had to go through a wilderness. And so I was like, okay. The only difference is that Moses had no idea <laughs> that that, that's, uh, that was a resting place for him to grow, for him to then be used for his actual calling. Jesus knew, I am going here <laughs> to go get tested. Literally, the Bible says that the Spirit led him to the wilderness. So he already knew. There was no, hold on, that's my alarm. Apparently, I'm supposed to be getting ground turkey, and that's fine. Um, but there was no confusion on, I wonder what God's going to do with me. He knew exactly. 
He had 30 years to be prepared for you already know what's getting ready to happen, right? Like, absolutely. Okay, so John's going to dip you, and then the heavens is going to open up real quick, and then God's going to come with a James O. Jones voice and be like, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit is going to come like a dove descending onto you. Cool. You got that part? Check, check, check. Cool. Now, spirit, okay, now let's go ahead and lead you. Like, you already knew. It wasn't like, what y'all doing? Where are we going? He knew. But looking at the Israelites in their wilderness, it was like, oh, my goodness. You can see literally the split screen of, wait a minute. Why are there two different outcomes in one wilderness? Yeah, because when you don't know what you're called to do, when you don't know where you're going, when you're not connected to God to be able to plug you in and say, okay, I can't see where I'm going. And that's why the Bible says that his word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Like when you don't know, you're supposed to be plugged in so that at any given point you can go ahead and just click and you know where you're going. You know what this is calling you to do. There is no mystery in in the spiritual realm i know we want to believe you know god is works in mysterious ways and no you just don't know his methods but he's not a mysterious god he's very clear he's very vocal he wants you to know exactly what you're doing exactly where you're going but he does leave some things out because if you don't build on that trust and that faith then you don't need him then you would be god if you knew everything you see what i'm saying And so I felt led to go ahead and read Joshua 5. And the amazing part is that my family and I just finished reading this as our own little personal time. And I was like, "Mm, again, I don't believe in coincidences. I think that God just orchestrates this whole little gumbo that he's making for me. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, the individual ingredients are disgusting. But I trust that when you're done with this, it's going to be delicious. Joshua 5, I want to start at verse 2. Talking about the Israelites, right? Now, at this point, uh, they haven't been doing so well. So God is like, okay, under new management, this is what we finna do. So, you know, I read in the NLT version. So verse 2. At that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel at Gebeth Haraloth. 4. Joshua had to circumcise them because all the men who were old enough, excuse me, all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died in the wilderness. Okay, five. Those who left Egypt had all been circumcised, but none of those born after the exodus during the years in the wilderness had been circumcised. Six, the Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died for they had disobeyed the Lord and the Lord vowed he would never let them enter the land he had sworn to give us a land flowing with milk and honey seven so Joshua circumcised their sons those who had grown up to take their father's places for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land eight After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. Let me explain something to you. Uh, I think as a child or when I first heard the story of the Israelites, I, you know, you hear the bits and pieces in different ways that is preached in different churches and what have you. You know, you hear that it should have took them a couple of weeks, a couple of days, or what have you. And, you know, because of their disobedience, it took them 40 years. I thought that they were lost um, in the wilderness, and they were just going in this one big circle for 40 years. And I was like, bruh, by year two, you should have been like, this is, this is a familiar location. Like, I've seen this before, right? 
But my thing was reading it as an adult, I realized, no, it wasn't that they were stuck somewhere and they just wandered that for 40 years. It was that their mindset kept them stuck and God knew that they could not go ahead and receive the promise. And so what he allowed for them to do was he wanted the first set of Israelites to die off. It took 40 years for them to die off. It took 40 years for the second set generation of Israelites to go ahead and become a fighting age. And so in the 40 years, while one generation was dying off, another generation was growing up to an age that they would have replaced them. And I wanted a kind of like a split screen on seeing they were in the same boat. They just dealt with it differently, kind of like the same way my coworker and I was or is currently. The former Israelites were prior slaves, right? They didn't know nothing about no uh, freedom and, you know, being led by God and all the other stuff. They, they didn't know. They were former slaves. This is all they knew. Slavery was their familiarity. And let that mean what it needs to mean to you. But they forfeited optimum real estate because they were more attached to their familiarity than their faith. They were able to pray the 400 some odd years to ask God to get them out of it, but they couldn't hold on to that faith to see where God will bring them into. Hmm. That's a word right there. Hmm. And it's hurtful because they saw God do some amazing things, man. Like they are the only group of people who saw God lead by cloud by day, lead by fire by night, have manna from the sky. I never had God give me none of my favorite meal, not near one by by raining food. He, I wish he would rain food. You know how much these groceries are, sir. Like God, listen, okay, listen, Go ahead and rain me some macaroni and cheese fried. Like, go ahead, rain it, sir. I trust you, okay? I have faith, sir. <laughs> Food, raining. Just don't, uh, let me put something down first because germaphobe.com. Let me go ahead and put, like, a tablecloth. And can you only let it rain right there? Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, I am not um, going to be eating where I think dogs were licking or peeing or what have you. But, like, wow, y'all really saw God, like, do a thing, with manna from the sky every day for a couple of years. That wasn't just the, oh, you know, real quick, let me do this for a week to sustain. Like, I literally thought that too. No, he did it for years until they got to another place that he can go ahead and supply their need there. But that was years. He gave them exactly what they needed, gave them double on Saturday because he wasn't doing nothing on a Sunday, like he said. Like, oh, my goodness. Y'all seen that. Y'all heard first group of uh, Israelites First generation, generation duh, whatever. Y'all heard God's voice like thunder. Y'all heard that. Yo, y'all saw God split the Red Sea, sir. I done been to a lot of different zoos and aquariums. I've never been able to walk on dry ground while there's a wall of Red Sea around me. Never seen it. Wow, you were able to see some of the miraculous. You were able to see God go ahead and dry up the Jordan River. Like, almost like the Red Sea Junior kind of situation? Yes, read Joshua 4. 
God had the Jordan dry up, high up on the where it flows, and I don't know the whole architectural situation on that, but he had it dry up so that by the time that it got to the Israelites, they were walking on dry ground. And then once all of them went ahead and carried the ark and went and did what they were supposed to be doing, by the time that all of them went across, then the waters went ahead and resumed back to normal. To the point that when the Amorites heard about that, they were like, ooh, God is doing that for them? They were paralyzed. How is it that people are more in tune with what God is doing for you than what you are? How is it that it's it's invoking other people to feel like, wow, and put them in such an awe that they knew you were untouchable, but you're walking in this blessing and you can't see what God is doing for you? You can't see that you're untouchable? And I'm talking to myself and that's fine. I'll take that chin check. And so that was the first group of Israelites. So I was like, okay, well, you know, do you feel like they had it easier or, or worse than the second? And I'm like, bro, actually, it was one and the same. The first group of Israelites, I'm sure that you guys were just kids. Because while in the 40 years, while the first group was going ahead and dying off, God had to wait for this other group to grow up to the point of fighting age. So when y'all was just going ahead and playing tic-tac-toe and I race you and all y'all knew was the wilderness, guess what? Now you got to feel this circumcision, sir. I'm sorry, Joshua, what you finna do with that flint? No, like that's how they was feeling. <laughs> Why you do that, sir? Like, oh, you got to have this happen to you. You got to have this particular painful experience. You have to have this scaling off of you. You have to have the dead part of you uh, taking off of you before you go into this new place that God is taking you. Mm. You understand that? Could you have been in a second Israelite mindset where you have to experience the pain of losing loved ones, all that you knew, your familiar place, you're watching them die off with the understanding that you have to take their place, that you have to look at people that you may have looked at as brave, you know, looking at your father and your mother and your whoever you look up to and seeing like, man, if y'all couldn't do it, what makes you think that I can do it? You ever had that? Well, when you looked at who you were going to replace, you felt incomparable? God, am I ready? Like, honestly, all I know is wilderness. Am I ready, God? Yes. And I'm going to go ahead and take off the things that you, should, you don't take with you. And it may include some bloodshed. It may include some pain. But if you can look past that and see that I'm still here, I promise you, you won't just rest at your pain. Because that's what the Israelites did. We were better off in Egypt. You were better off resting in your pain. You were better off just not experiencing nothing else for that. You think God made you just to go ahead and be slaves your whole life? Hmm. It's unfortunate. So still on the second generation, the second group of Israelites, they were being trained under new management to receive what their ancestors were ignorant to. Don't you feel like that sometimes? Like real talk, can we can we rest there? Can we pause real quick on the Okay, let me just press that pause button. Um, don't you feel like that? Like now in your generation, you understand the importance of eating and that food is your medicine and that you are what you eat. 
and that we never really looked at that because we were raised on whatever was unhealthy at that time, whether it was fast food or chitterlings and pig feed and all the stuff that you like. Oh, my gosh. I don't even want to give my my new generation, my kids, nobody. I don't, I don't even want to make that anymore. And even though you may still, that just may be your familiar place. You may once in the blue go ahead and dabble. But you now understand that there's a new revelation. And um, now that I have this new information, we can't operate that way no more. That how your parents may or may not have disciplined you. You're like, I'm not doing that. I see where there was lack and I see where there was excess. And even though that that was familiar to them and they just went ahead and copied and pasted, I understand that I'm going to go ahead and rewrite some of that when it comes to my kids, when it comes to my future generation. Yeah, I don't want to be like the old school people that you were harsh as a mother, but when you became a grandmother, that's when the softness applied. No, I'm going to go ahead and let the knowledge of what I know now in this generation help the generations to come. That you now understand that healthy communication is necessary. That your family either communicated too little or they they communicated too much. That octave was way out of hand. And why did you say that? You knew that was going to hurt. And why would you go ahead and, you, you understand, you understand that healthy communication. Like now you're in relationships with people that you're like, wow, nobody taught you how to speak your feelings? So you don't know how to talk without bowling your fist up? Okay, so when you upset about something, you go ahead and you go ghost. You you silence the lamps real quick. Oh, okay, who taught you that? And you have to go ahead and admit, even if you don't say it out loud, that nobody ever taught me how to communicate. And the communicating style in my home was silence. The communicating style in my childhood environment was hostile. The communication monster it was excessive. And so now you're meeting people that have a different communication style than you, and now it's clash of the childhoods. And you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm trash when it comes to communicating my feelings. Like, I can communicate. I could talk all day long if I wanted to. But when it comes to this, like, you ever had that? Well, you had to admit under this new information, under this new management, I now get the opportunity to cease situations and rectify continual issues that were an issue for my ancestors, but I can do better. That's what the second Israelites were going through. Under Moses, the first uh, generation was trash. Moses had a temper. He was easily frustrated. Sir, I do not want to lead these people anymore. He hitting rocks when God says speak to it. And so God was like, okay, I understand that under this management of Moses and uh, the Israelites is not going to go far. That The mindset that y'all have with the management that you have is not going to equate to the promise that I have for you. And so what did God do? He went ahead and waited for the whole second generation of Israelites to grow up to a fighting age. He went ahead and made sure that the person who was following at one point, Joshua, is not going to be the new management, the new leader. And he's like, okay, I can do a new thing as long as I have new management and new mindsets. And that's what I feel like we fall victim to. Like the first group, their mindset prevented the promise. The second group, their mindsets activated and aided the promise. Because what you don't know is when you read Joshua, the, the chapters after five, that's when you hear about Jericho and all that. And God gave these like weird outlandish, like you want me to do what, sir? To any other mind, it would have been like, okay, so you want me to march around this Jericho wall six times saying nothing. And then on the seventh day, when Joshua gives the cue, you want me to scream to the top of my lungs and this wall is just supposed to fall? Right. There's no way the first generation could have completed that. 
But you know what? Under new management, with the new mindsets of the second generation of Israelites, I didn't even see nobody talk back. It wasn't like, do we all have to? So we got circumcised to march around. You think I couldn't have marched with that extra skin? You you mean to tell me I had to go through that pain for something that I look at as like, eh, it wasn't worth it? Yes. Because you don't know that when this when this wall comes down, I need you to do something you've never done before. You never had to fight in the wilderness. Hmm? Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Like, And I feel like God is telling each of us that in a different way. I know what I'm doing. And so when I go ahead and I zoom out and look at the first generation of Israelites, the second generation of Israelites, I was like, if I had to come up with a formula, right, what would I, I kind of mesh the two? Like, how would I formulate that? And it pretty much came down to <laughs> they were familiar in one area. They were led to something that was unfamiliar. And then the rest of the path had to be activated by their faith. So it was familiar, unfamiliar, faith. Familiar, unfamiliar, faith. I feel like that's exactly what I'm going through right now. I feel like I was used to something. I'm used to a certain amount of professionalism at a workplace. How you speak to people is important to me. Um, I'm actually finding out that that's my superpower. Like, I'm really good at how to go ahead and cushion a thing, how to how to soften a blow, how to, hey, let's have a tough conversation without anyone being uncomfortable. Like, I want to make sure that when I'm speaking to people, I care about how they're receiving what I'm saying because I want to be understood more than I want to be felt. People who want to scream and jab and yeah, and another thing, you want it to be felt more than understood, and that's why the lesson was never learned by the other party. And so when I'm looking at, like, I'm not used to this. I have a familiar a familiarity in my head of what professionalism looks like, what it looks like when you speak to other adults. I have that in my mind, but yet I'm in this unfamiliar place where I'm having to wear armor that I'm not used to, that I'm having to wear a certain outfit and things just to be able to survive the elements of this environment. And I now am clear that in order to get to my promise, the rest of this is going to have to be activated and walked out with faith. Wow, right? When you actually are able to look at your situation through the lens of God, sometimes you're like, I- I'm I'm doing the Israelite thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's okay. But if he woke you up another day, you have one more day to fix it. You have one more day to apply the lesson. You have another day to try again. You have another day to get better. You have another day to go ahead and and gather up that armor that was once a missing space in your life. It was once a missing slot. Now you get to fill it so that if you ever need it, you have it. It will no longer be unfamiliar to you. Right? And so it's like, you know what, God, I get it. So my challenge to you is choose your wilderness. Choose it. It's going to look exactly what it looked like for the first group of Israelites. For the first group of Israelites, they had a wilderness of something had to die off. And it was supposed to be a contrast between dying off and building up. But they didn't get to experience the buildup. So the second generation had to choose both. They had some stuff that had to die off of them. It didn't take a long time. God bless them. They got circumcised. They had to go ahead and get get over the fact that, yeah, I know that used to be what you thought the wilderness was for, but it's for something different. So choose it. 
What is your wilderness going to look like? Is it going to look like this is a place where something dies off and then you build up something new? Or do you are you going to be like the first group of Israelites where you die off and then that's just it? That's where you stay. Like how unfortunate to have seen all that miraculousness that God did, the cloud, the fire, the manna, the Red Sea, the Jordan drying up, all that, all that. And then you don't get to go ahead and do nothing else with that, but experience that and die there and rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Sometimes it's not a physical death. Sometimes it's a spiritual one. You know, when, when God told Adam and Eve in the Bible, like, hey, if you eat of that tree, of that fruit, you will surely die. They didn't die a physical death because we could still see they had Seth and, you know, some other grandchildren and what have you. But they did die a spiritual one where the promise that God had for them, they couldn't get. They couldn't stay in Eden. They couldn't stay in paradise. They couldn't maintain the very thing that God had for them. Choose your wilderness. Let it build you up. Whatever's not supposed to go with you, I don't care how painful it is. If it's circumcised, it can't be no more painful than circumcision. Huh? No medicine. Bite down on this cloth, sir. Okay? And grab onto the sand as, as uh, tight as you can. But um, we'll stay here until you heal. That, that, that's your recovery. You know, that's your present. Stick through it. Stick through it. You didn't come this whole way just to be like, eh. I seen the wilderness. They did a couple of good things, and that shit said, no, stick to it. But more so, choose your wilderness. Choose it. And just have the mindset of, I'm not dying here. I'm not dying here. God is building me up here. Because little do I know, I got a Jericho to conquer. Little do I know, I have a, I have a land of, of milk and honey, a promised land that was promised to me. I got to get to it. If nobody else in my family got to it, I got to get to it. If nobody else in my circle wants to get to it, I got to get to it. If, if, if my old mindset didn't allow me, then God, I, I go ahead and I lay it at the altar. But I'm going to get to it. Get to it. Choose, choose this day to get to it, sir, ma'am. Do you understand? And so I know you got what you needed. I know you got what you needed. Shoot, I got what I needed. We can get up this phone and I will be good. But I hope and I pray that the seeds that were planted and that were initiated for you in this conversation, I pray you do something with it. Don't just be a hearer and just, oh, okay, that's it. Do something with it. Talks about that in James. Read your Bible, okay? Thanks. So you know what these conversations are. They're life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everybody's going to have with you, conversations that, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and use my own tea, and, yes, I'm going to add the honey, and I'm going to stir it up, and I'm going to sip with you because I'm learning stuff, and as I'm learning stuff, I'm like, yo, let me go back and be the Harriet Tubman in the spirit where we got to go ahead and do better than what we knew, better than what we were doing. Go get it. You understand? All right. Well, let me get my tea. Literally, let me sip my tea real quick. Because it was getting cold talking to you, and I just want to get a little bit more, and I'm going to drink the rest. So I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. Drink the rest of my tea, and we'll talk later. Okay? All right. Later.